All right, so take your Bibles and open to John 17. And uh, tonight we're going to be wrapping up our series on uh, Jesus' prayer that was found in John um, 17. John 17. And um, before we get started into this week's uh, lesson, I wanted to do a quick recap of the last couple of weeks. And um, who can tell me what the overall theme of this prayer is? We've said it multiple, multiple times. What's the overall theme for Jesus' prayer here found in John 17? Anybody remember? Okay. Yes, closeness, but what's another word for that? Love. Love breeds what? What's the word I'm looking for? Relationship. Starts with a U. Unity. Unity. The overall theme is unity. And uh, in in part one, when we went through um, part one of this from verses one through 13, we, uh, we learned that Jesus is praying this prayer right before he is to be taken, to be sacrificed as the perfect lamb of God, to reconcile the relationship between God and mankind. We learned that God is the initiator of salvation, that it all starts with him. Uh, we, we learned that the definition, according to Jesus, of eternal life is to know God in an intimate relationship, to have him before all things, And all that is through Jesus Christ. And the point of part one was 2 Corinthians 5.20, which is, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then uh, two weeks ago, we, we studied part two, which is verses 13 through 21. We learned a lot that week. We learned that. His words are the source of joy and fulfillment in the life of a follower of Christ. Uh, The overall theme of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the gospel. Uh, We we studied that the gospel changes us and we stop reflecting the culture around us and start reflecting the character and nature of Jesus. We, We talked about that our unity and love should be as harmonious as the Trinity uh, the antidote for our world of division, of racial, racial tensions, injustice, hatred, violence, and anger is unity in Christ. We talked about that we must be unified with our brothers and sisters in Christ in our war against the devil and our advancement of the gospel. And the point of, of part two was our unity and love points people to Jesus. And so now we're going to study uh, the rest of the chapter, verses 20. 2 through 26, and this will wrap up our series on Jesus' prayer. So let's just read verse 22 and 23. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly or completely one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, loved them, even as you have, even as you loved me. Apparently I can't read tonight. So in verse uh, 22, it says, the glory that you have given me. And so I wanted to understand what that meant. And, and I, I was studying it, 
And, and I know the term glory, I know it has to do with like honor and those type of things, but that didn't quite fit with me. I didn't quite understand what it was trying to say. So I did a lot of studying to what this terminology means. And, and the commentators, they don't all agree on what this means. Um, some commentators, uh, they believe that, some believe that it refers to the excellence of God's character as shown in Jesus' life. So the excellence of, God, of God's character shown in Jesus' life. And they cross-reference John 1.14. And in John 1.14 is, is when they introduce Jesus. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and in relation to previous verses, which we read uh, a couple of weeks ago, we're being sanctified. Remember we talked about that, being sanctified or being set apart for the holy work of the Lord. And as we are sanctified, we start to reflect the character and nature of Jesus Christ. So if, if you go along with, with what th that meant, then, then, then that makes sense. So other commentators believe, and I tend to lean more in this direction also, is that the glory that Jesus gave his disciples, when it says the glory that I gave them, the glory that he gave them, that he gave the disciples, and that they shared with others, and the glory that changed the whole world is the gospel. It's the gospel. Even when you cross-reference the verse that they said in John 1.14, is this not the gospel? John 1.14 and the Word became flesh. The Word, if we read John 1, 1, is the Word was God. The Word was with God. And the Word comes and becomes flesh. He, he takes on bodily form where he's 100% man and 100% God. And he dwelt or he made at home among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came with truth, and he, he shared us, with us the truth of God's word, and he displayed the grace and mercy on the cross. Is that not the gospel? And the only way that we can even begin the sanctification process is first to receive the call of the gospel. Again, it's a calling. It's an invitation. Again, God is the initiator. He began the process. He moved toward us first. He's the one who sent the perfect sacrifice. He provided the reconciliation process. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. And, it, and it's because of the gospel... Where it says that they may be one even as we are one. It's only through the gospel that we're able to do that. So, so, so basically what I'm saying is the only answer to the division in our world is the gospel. That is the only answer. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to know Jesus' solution to social injustice? Do you want to know his solution to abusive power, to hatred, to racism, to violence, to a world on fire? His gospel. His gospel is the answer to this. 
It's not some TV show where a bunch of celebrities tell you how you should feel. It's not a, an ad that says, oh, well, we, we need to do this and we need to do that. No, the only way that we're going to get through this is through the gospel. And where does it start? Where does the reconciliation start? Where does the coming together start? It starts within the family of God. It starts with us. If you remember from, from the very first part of this in verse 9, his prayer is at first for his disciples. Remember that? If you look back in verse 9, it, uh, it says, I'm praying for them. I am not praying for the world. So this prayer is not for everyone. It's for his followers. But for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. And then he shifts his focus from just the disciples to all believers. That was in part two in verse 20. He says, I do not ask for these only, so for his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus said, I'm not just praying for these disciples, but I'm praying for those people who are going to hear the gospel because they share it. Us. The future followers of Jesus Christ. And he's praying for us to be unified in the love of Jesus Christ in order, listen, in order to show the world that he is truly the son of God and to spread the gospel. That's his prayer. And students, it's on us. It's on us to unify as the body of Christ and spread the love of Christ to our hurting world. That's on us as a body of believers. Not to spread more hatred. Not to spread more negativity. Not to instigate fighting. Not to point out others' weaknesses. That is the opposite of what we should be doing right now. Hey, let me post something on Facebook that's going to make everyone angry. No. In fact, in Romans 12, 18, it says that we're supposed to do our best to live peaceably with all men. Our best. So I can't control what someone else says or does, but I can control what I say and do, and I need to do my best to live peaceably with all mankind. That's Romans 12 as a Christian. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says that we're supposed to encourage and build each other up. Not tear each other down. Not tell each other how stupid you are. Or you should believe how I believe in everything. No. And in Philippians 2.3-4, it says that we're supposed to put others before ourselves. That we are supposed to honor others before our own self. Well, it's my right. Doesn't matter. I, I, I willingly gave up my rights to Jesus Christ, and he bought me with a price, and now I do what he tells me to do. And he says to put others first. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says that we're to love unselfishly and completely. And then right here, we're to be as unified as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As Jesus is praying for us to be right here in John 17. In verse 23, um, it says, uh, I and them and you and me that they, 
may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. In other words, in other words, it's only through the power of God. It's only through the power of God that we receive. We receive the power of God through our relationship with Jesus Christ that we have the ability to be united. Perfectly or completely as one with other believers in order to spread the good news of the gospel. That's what that means. It's only through the power of God that we receive with our relationship with Jesus Christ that we can be unified as a body of believers in order to spread the gospel. It says that that um, they may know. That term they may know in the Greek, it means to continually know. To continually know, not just see one time and forget, but to continually know. That means that the unity of believers should be a continuous picture and proclamation of the gospel. Continuously. That our unity, that us coming together, should proclaim the gospel. And I don't know about you, but, but this is true. Whenever a ton of people come together... Especially in a church or some kind of, uh, you know, concert or something that, of that nature. And you have all these races combined and all these people from all these nations. And you look out as far as your eye can see and it's just a beautiful uh, vision of, of all these different colors. Do you understand that's the closest to heaven that we're going to get here on earth? You realize that? You think everybody up there looks like this? You're wrong. You're wrong. Jesus wasn't a white guy with blue eyes as much as the TV and the movies try to tell you. It's not true. And that's why we need to come together to bring heaven on earth. To, but instead of unifying on Sundays, what do we do? We willingly segregate, don't we? We willingly segregate on Sunday. Well, I'm going to go to you know, this church or that church because there's more people that look like me. You know, we talked about a couple weeks ago, we talked about Satan's weapon of divide and conquer, right? Satan's weapon of divide and conquer. And that's what he's trying to do with us. We must be unified to spread the gospel and fight the devil of this world. And we cannot have unity apart from Jesus. You catch that? We cannot have unity apart from Jesus. We cannot have peace without the Prince of Peace. We can't know love if we never accept that God so loved the world that he gave or sacrificed his only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Or that he demonstrated his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He proved his love to you. We can't know freedom until we've been set free from sin. All these things that we want to have in this life, unity, peace, love, freedom, none of those things are even remotely capable of happening apart from Jesus Christ. Verse 24 says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. 
I desire. When he says, I desire, he's saying, God, it's, this is my will. This is what I want to happen here. It is my will. It says, whom you have given me. Again, it's God that initiates the salvation experience. He calls us or draws us through the Holy Spirit, and we simply accept and follow. It says, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. Over in John 12, 26, it says, Jesus says in John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Uh, Jesus said again over in John 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I, ha would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is reminding his disciples here in John 17, what he just said in John 14, to bring them comfort, to bring them peace. Guys, listen, don't worry, because if you follow me, you will be with me again. That this world is not it. If this world was it, man, that's depressing, right? Oh my goodness. But this world isn't it. This isn't the final destination. And it brings us peace and the promise of eternal life in the presence of God. He says, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus always, always has been and always will be. In Genesis, in the book of Genesis, he was a part of the us in let us make man in our image. John, uh, John talks about this over in John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is a good reminder for us to remember something. That Jesus left heaven. He was there. He's always been. He left heaven to come on a rescue mission to seek and to save those that are lost. And he was about to, right here in this prayer, he was about to go and complete the most important part of his mission to be the atonement or the payment that satisfies that reconciles us to God and after he took on all of God's wrath for sin on the cross he yelled it is finished and the veil tore in two and the and 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 man could be in right relationship with God and then three days later he rose, he stayed on for, for 40 more days, and he went home to take his place at the right hand of the Father. Don't forget that, students. Jesus always was. And he left the beauty and the glory of heaven to come down to save us. That's how much you are loved. Verse 25. O righteous Father, and I love that he uses the term righteous Father, because if you remember back in verse 11... I know this has been several weeks, but if you remember back in verse 11, Jesus calls God Holy Father. Remember that? 
And we talked about that, that this reveals the holiness of God and the father side of God, right? And again, again here he's referring to his righteousness, his holiness, his justice. Because you, with, you, in order to understand God, you have to understand that he is 100% righteous, 100% holy, and 100% just. So righteous father now talks about his fatherly role. In Romans, remember it says that, that we can come to him as Abba. As, as a loving term for dad. His unconditional love, his mercy, and his grace. See, students, God is fully both. Fully just and fully grace. Fully righteous. Fully merciful. Fully holy, fully love. He's both. It says, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. In other words, we can't know God if you don't know Jesus. You can't. You can't know God if you don't know Jesus. Jesus says, if you know me, you know the Father who sent me. He said that in John 14. And it's only through Jesus that we have access to God the Father. Again, that's in John 14 as well. It's only through Jesus that we know God. Verse 26, and this will wrap it up. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Made known to them your name. Jot this verse down. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Write this down. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Write it down and go home and, and, and read it. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. See, back in the Old Testament, that's how he spoke to the people, through prophets. He would speak to one person and they would give the word of the Lord. Verse 2, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, so I made known to them your name. The words from Jesus are the words from God, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He is the blueprint of God. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. How did he make know the name of God? By being the blueprint of God on this earth. Colossians 1, 15-20. Write that down. Colossians 1, 15-20. He says, He, Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of God. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. 
He is before everything, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Did you hear me? For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself. God initiated the reconciliation, and through Jesus Christ, he reconciles us to the Father. He, he did it through himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is the picture of God. And he provides the way for us to have reconciliation or, or be reconciled or, or be one with God through Jesus. He said, I've made known to them your name and I will continue to do so. Why? Because he is the image of the invisible God. The point of tonight is this. The gospel is the key to bring unity between all believers and bring peace to our divided world. The gospel is the key to bring unity between all believers and bring peace to our divided world. We will never know peace unless you know Jesus Christ. And again, I urge you, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, as an ambassador for Christ, I beg you, be reconciled to God.